0: D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. It is also good to be Sport Clips. They are open once again. Darren, it is beautiful to see you. It is also beautiful to see our lovely guest tonight. He is Nate Abareya. What's up, gentlemen?
1: How we doing? Yeah, I was going to just take that, whereas you often start and say, D. Smith, welcome in. It's another edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. I was going to go, N. Abareya, welcome in. It's another edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. How are you, our mate, Nate? Nice to see you. Nice to chat with you.
2: Nice to see you both. Uh, it's good to be back. I remember when this show used to invite me on the show to sing drunken Irish folk <laughs> songs and we would make up saw sea shanties and songs about wine and, and all sorts of good stuff now you have real guests and, and video content and and hall of famers and and politicians and people getting transfers to england and to wales and now i'm back so i guess you guys are uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, again for a week
1: <laughs> well it's been a while so why don't you then comment on everything that we've been talking about for the last couple of months nate go ahead
2: comment on everything that has transpired locally globally nationally soccer society culture over the last couple of months um it's been a bit of a hellscape for everyone and if we can all stay in this together we can all prevail and community 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 over to you d smith
1: i like that yeah i thought maybe you'd have a thought on paul Ariola, shannon mcmillan but
2: hey that works i think you mean the shows themselves shout out to shannon mack who oh. not only hit the unnamed soccer podcast but kind of did this beautiful san diego podcast circuit uh, over the last couple of weeks shout out to to the legend shannon mack paul Ariola, i love that uh he did we discussed this uh, recently when I saw you the other day, Darren, uh, a little shade of Paul Ariola in 2017. <laughs> Uh, When he did, Paul does watch this show. I hope Paul sees this. In 2017, in his final week at Cholos, uh, Paul gave me a brilliant, like, 15-minute exclusive interview, stayed way past every player in the mix zone, and said all these great things about Club Tijuana and was was so positive. And a week later, he left to D.C. United uh, right after the interview was published. I love him doing the podcast with you guys, saying all the great things about D.C. United and how much he loves and appreciates the club and off to the swans he goes a week later so keep doing your thing paul keep us in suspense we salute you wherever you may go chula vista proud south bay proud Sin fronteras we love you paul congrats and go get him, swans i love it absolutely and
1: by the way you know i think the three of us should say this uh right here on this podcast because now it is official paul's going to south wales and i do believe the san diego swans which is an official supporters group <laughs> for Swansea City they do meet at three punk gales in Chula Vista now I don't know what time their matches are and I will say this and if they play at 4 30 a.m. here Pacific time then all bets are off but whenever possible that Paul debuts for Swansea I think we should go to three punk gales in Chula Vista because I I think that's where those guys are still watching matches when it's allowed so uh, what do you say here fellas can we can we make that commitment that when when Paul debuts that we go down there and we watch it with Seneca Swans? Uh,
0: Yes, totally in on that. And then also after he helps Swans make it to the Prem by the end of the season. yeah, watch him from three-punk ales next season in the Prem. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know, whatever is best for Paul. That's my stance, but maybe what's best for Paul is being in the Premier League next year. I don't know.
2: I hope it happens. I hope it happens. It's a great club, and I love the shout to uh, SD Swans the the official Swansea city supporters group of uh, of San Diego. What a great club, From a Jack to a King. If anyone out there has never seen the documentary, everyone into football documentaries over the last couple years, the Sunderland stuff, everyone getting into soccer docs uh, uh, very much so. Check out From a Jack to a King. It came out in 2015, and it is all about the uh, rise of Swansea City from near extinction. They were about to go uh, fully away as a club uh, not so long ago, and some pretty amazing talk about community uh, shout out to to everybody in the, uh, the, the Swans Army from South Wales all the way to San Diego. Love the club. And I love that the South Bay truly gets to tie in with it uh, with Paul.
1: Yeah, I think it's cool, too, that like, he's most definitely now joining a club, I think that's sitting second, last I checked, on the table for the championship. Like He's most definitely going to be a part yeah. of promotion. Now, whether it's automatic promotion or the playoff, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, I just think somebody getting a chance to be a part of that is just fucking killer, man. Like, you know, you talk about somebody getting a chance to go out on loan and play a little bit over for Everton or an established club, right? Like, you know, certainly now the way we're seeing so many American and Mexican players do. But to, to get like that rare of an opportunity, you know, to be there transitioning from second division to the Premier League potentially, like that's just one of those things you go, man, like not many players get you get a lot of European opportunity, but you don't get those kind of opportunity. That's, that's something else for Paul. I couldn't be happier for the guy. So
0: we're only a couple of days removed from uh, the, the deadline, the transfer day deadline. I was nervous that day because it, it really did come down to the wire. There were reports. I feel like more than a week uh, leading up to it. And then it, nothing official, nothing official. And I was checking and I was very curious and I don't know what we're allowed to say at this point, Darren, but like, I was very interested on how that was going to play out. And it came down to the wire and I, I was kind of nervous. I was wondering if the deal wasn't going to actually go through. There was the connection or there is the connection with the owner of DC United, um, also with Swan. So there is that connection. Um, you saw Jordan Morris had already made a move over there. So I don't know. I was, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I'm really, really happy it played out the way it did. Yeah. It like maybe it could have gone either way.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and to the point where, you know, he starts for the U S men's national team against Trinidad and Tobago, and the deadline is the next day, you know? So like, you're literally counting down the hours now and you're sort of going, huh, you know, if, if in fact he was hot and heavy here and on the verge of a potential loan, then would he have been playing in that match? And you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it didn't matter. It's just something that went through my mind and is, you know, we're watching him score with his left and score with his right and, you know, score a brace there in the seven nothing dismantling of Trinidad Tobago. All that good it does is now. But, you know, so I sort of said the same thing to myself. I was like, man, I wonder if this means that, you know, maybe he's not going to get that opportunity, you know, because I I don't know if an agent would want to protect a client or if a national team or, you know, any sort of potential loan. Swansea would say, hey, listen, like we might do it. But, you know, so obviously it turned out to be absolutely nothing. But it was great to see him (laughs) have that kind of performance. What a couple of days for him. He scores a brace for the national team and then out on loan the next day to Swansea.
2: I think he, he thrives in a, a little bit of chaos. I think he's he's one of those guys who needs just, and that's most players for me. I don't want to get too deep into soccer psychology, but that concept of getting too comfortable someplace. And and we've had, we've all three of us have had conversations directly with Paul about that concept and, and the concept of a new challenge. And I know it's with the, the loan deal, and we'll see if something permanent down the road uh, could happen, but just being a part of a hunt for promotion to the Premier League at a club like Swansea, and you talk about community involvement and what folks wanna build in San Diego, San Diego loyal, and and all these great stories really around the world that that you and I, Darren, have talked ad nauseum about, and Jordan and I text in for years, but hey, did you hear about this team? Hear about this team? Swansea out and out is one of the greatest football club stories that I've ever, ever come across. And so I love that the the small world of football collides beautifully yet again. We're a player who we have, have such a connection to here with San Diego and Cholos, and and with everything with Chula Vista in the South Bay uh that now it's not just SD Swans that brings South Wales and San Diego together it's Paul Ariola and I love the the new challenge for him that's what's up it's it's a new challenge and I I love him taking it head on
1: yeah so it, it it actually reminds me of something a little bit off topic but somewhat on on the same subject speaking about the national team right like we You know, we see a lot of players playing abroad right now, you know, for some of the biggest clubs, right, for Chelsea Football Club, for FC Barcelona, et cetera. Uh, And and I know I'm falling for a trap here by, by bringing up Alexi Lalas. But Alexi Lalas was asked a question. If you took the international players and you had them play against the domestic players, hypothetically, right, you took your international players, your international stars, and you had them opposite your domestic players, who wins and Lawless who, again, I don't want to fall for Lawless's trap here, but you know, we know he he's very tight with MLS and certainly believes in in the domestic league a lot more. He said uh, his opinion was the domestic league players, the players who play in major league soccer would win because as he said, there's resentment, jealousy and a chip on their shoulder for their European players who are yes. represented in the United States. He said that that's like a big time motivational force that like some resentment, a little bit of jealousy that those guys get all the headlines that we're talking about, you know, Pulisic or Dest or, or Gio Reyna. And for good measure, they're playing in champions league matches for goodness sake. I just, again, I know he's somewhat, he's a little trolling. I know he's doing a little bit of trolling there, a little bit, un but, un poquito, un poquito, un poquito. but I do think, you know, that, that you know, I, I, I wonder though, if he believes that, You know, like like he might actually believe that stuff. And I think maybe the bigger point is, you know, we got a lot of talent. Like there is a lot of U.S. talent and it's spread out all over the place. And heck, that Paul goes and DK ends up going and and we're seeing Jordan Morris go. I don't know. Maybe it's just a bunch of European clubs looking for bargains and finding American players. But yeah, I, I sort of fell for that and started allowing myself to think of what that match would look like and i don't know what do you guys think
0: well i hadn't heard that yet so i was curious what the actual explanation was and the explanation is there's a chip on their shoulder because the other yeah. guys get all the headlines in europe
1: yeah. yeah a little bit yeah so a little bit of jealousy I mean, if there was uh, an actual I'm reason behind
0: it, maybe i could get behind the logic but I, there's no reason there that's just why why is he painting a divide within the u.s men's national team between the european players and the the players playing in major league soccer i don't know i I think obviously I would run with the European players in that matchup. <laughs> There's a lot of talent with the guys that are over
2: here. Very much uh, akin to the mindset of Bruce Arena back in in 2017, and we know where uh, that led to a rather fateful night down in Cuba uh, back in October of 2017. Um, There was another angle of this that I found rather hilarious when that rather trollish, contrarian, uh, performative, contrarian tweet uh, came out and saw the light of day the other day. Um, And Hercules Gomez had some interesting takes on it. Everyone dove in just a little bit. And there were a few people who said the number one thing that was on my mind, which is Jurgen Klinsmann was right. (laughs) Jürgen Klinsmann was right. May I say one more time? Jürgen Klinsmann was right. The best players for the United States men's national team need to be competing for spots at top-flight European clubs. And even the second division in Europe, in very many European top-flight leagues, in this case especially the English Championship, for me, the storyline and, and the, the invigoration that you can get being a part of a battle for promotion to the Premier League is nine times out of 10, apart from a glorious run to MLS Cup that one team or maybe two teams are capable of every year, is more valuable to a player's growth and, and to their personal growth as, as athletes, as soccer players, and thus their ability to help the U.S. men's national team it is much, much greater for them to be in Europe. Now, that seemed to be such an outlandish statement that angered so many people just a few years ago. And then you see that stat come out that was a little bit bloated because there were some smaller, smallish leagues included. But what was it? 54 players in the U.S. men's national team player pool are on the books playing games first team at top flight European clubs. Now, again, you could split hairs. What's top flight. But for me, you talk about names like and McKinney. And if you'd have told me as someone who's been in love with this thing at large, that is soccer in America and the U S national team for what, you know, 25 years or something since my earliest conscious state. And you'd have told me there had been guys starring at Juventus in Barcelona. I would a laughed and said, keep on dreaming. Like, (laughs) wake, wake us up when you stop dreaming. Um, and here we are. So not only was Klinsman right, but everyone else was wrong. Alexi's still wrong. And <laughs> I love seeing what you – it's so crazy to think that this talent pool right now and the European-based players and the challenges that players are taking on in their careers, and that's no knock on anyone in MLS or people rising up through USL ranks. There are certain players who can just play anywhere. There's, there's certain guys, look at, I mean, players on Leeds United this season where you're like, wait, this guy can just kind of play anywhere. There's a number of examples, Bielsa finding these guys. But at the end of the day, you want, for the U.S. national team, you want your best players playing abroad. And the notion that we're still having this debate or people are still trying to sprinkle a little bit of kerosene onto the fire of that debate despite all of the proof in the pudding um, is just, it's Alexi-ish. That's if, what it is. yes,
1: if Alexi, were, yes. <laughs> if Alexi
0: were playing right now, do you think he would be in the group of guys that are still playing Major League Soccer or over in Europe right now? Would he be the side that's, like, resenting the guys that are playing over and getting the headlines, or do you that, think he would be creating in, uh, the headlines?
2: Uh, Alexi was in that camp. Alexi, uh, you should look into his time, uh, his brief, very brief uh, time in Serie A. Um, it's a lot of history that a lot of folks, uh, I think, would get a kick out of looking into. Um, I've said enough on the topic, back over to you, Mr. Cruz. check out the history of yourself, mid nineties, 94, 95, check I it out. Just,
0: there's always, I, the conversation, like there's always been this layer of resentment for players that want to go and play in Europe and play for the best clubs instead of staying in the U S and trying to build up major league soccer to be the best league in the world. I mean, I understand both sides of that argument, but there's always been this layer of resentment for pl- players that have like, gone to Europe. Like, instead of that, I've always, yeah. I've never understood that side. I've always been like, that's something you should aspire to be. Like, don't, don't resent those guys. I mean, I guess it could be a chip on your shoulder if you want to work towards getting there, but it, I would hope that doesn't turn into a negative thought. I, hopefully that's only a, a constructive way to look at it if you have a chip yeah. on your shoulder.
1: You know? Right, and I, you know, I still think people get this wrong. You know, that, that you know, and that's, it's the phrase that, that comes into my mind as we're talking about this is that American exceptionalism, you know, that somehow our domestic league has got to be on the par, on the level of the top flight European leagues. You know, I just watched the uh, Copa Libertadores final over the weekend and, you know, you can't tell me that that tournament where we've all been to Copa Libertadores matches and you know, we've watched... South American tournaments, whether it's Sudamerica or Copa Libertadores, to me, like, you know, their best players are playing in a lot of different countries as well, in some of the top leagues. But, you know, it's not about the players necessarily, as it's about the culture. You know, what makes South American football so great is the culture. You know, that, that, like, people live it and breathe it, and, you know, they are there, and whether it's Boca Juniors and River Plate or Santos and Palmeiras it's about the culture of supporting your club, no matter who's representing it. And, you know, if your best player goes and ends up playing for Liverpool, or if he ends up playing for Barca or Madrid, you know, you don't go, Oh damn. Well, we got uh, a lesser league. Like, no, like people just get that backwards about what the, what, what we mean with quality. Quality isn't necessarily represented just by the players who are playing. It's represented by how you support your club, like your local club. That's, that's what makes South American soccer what it is, you know. And I feel like people often get that wrong. They confuse the quality of the player with the quality and support.
0: If Christian yeah, think- Pulisic all of a sudden joins Major League Soccer, it's not as if one of those stadiums turns into Stamford Bridge. Or if Western right. Kenny leaves Italy and comes to MLS, it's not – all of a sudden it's turning into that palace like
2: well, a lot of people thought that that was going to be the case when the mass homecoming went down circa 2016 2017 and when the even I know players going back to Toronto but still back to MLS uh back to North American professional soccer when Bradley, Altidore, Dempsey and these players came back and it seemed like their game Regressed. It might just have been that they were a little bit over their prime hump. And I guess there's also the devil's advocate yelling for me of of wanting to make sure to reiterate the idea that whatever's right for the individual sometimes is what's best. And there's certain people who stayed home. Jordan Morris got a lot of shit for staying home, got lit up on a lot of kind of toxic levels by a lot of people. I might have been guilty of it myself a few years ago. I remember Jermaine Jones certainly didn't shy away in talking about his feelings with players shying away from moves to Germany or moves to England or Spain or Italy, those top four leagues in general, and staying in in stateside, comfortable situations. And, well, it appears that Jordan Morris... Wasn't ready then, and it appears that he's ready now. So good for Jordan Morris and good for the individuals doing what's right for them, whether that's taking on that next challenge. Paul needed those few years at D.C., and now he's making that jump. So keep doing what's right for y'all. For all of the uh, uh, players out there watching this, wondering what they should do for the next moves in their career, do what's right for you. And if that's playing wherever, do it. There you go. Do it. Do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so 7 nothing is uh, is pretty good. I mean, I've, we haven't been the most excited about Greg Burhalter on this podcast, to be honest. Um, they haven't. They've given you a lot of reasons to be excited. I mean, if we as we roll into the World Cup cycle, that, the qualifying that we're about to get into, next year being such a big year, the importance of this year, we're off to a good start. Like, they're scoring a lot of goals. There's not a lot of negatives that you see. Um, there's a lot of different players playing. I don't know. I, I was... It's easy to get excited after 7 Nothing. There's not a lot of negatives. Like, I'm starting to get pretty damn, like, legitimately excited about this team, I guess, was um, one of my so biggest
1: you're starting to buy in the Triple G? I mean, in I don't know G? if
0: I'm G? buying in the Triple G, but I'm just excited for the players that are playing and the way that they're performing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. How important is the manager at this stage? I think it's
1: yeah.
0: probably pretty important, but...
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I still think, you know, the thing for most of us is just the process by which he became the manager. You know, it's sort of hard to you can focus on the matches themselves and see and like what it is that you see, you know, it's still, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's just the process by which Greg Berhalter becomes the manager of the men's national team that, that still is, is stuck. that, yeah, he's still going to have to, he's, he's going to have to validate that decision-making so that people don't think it was just the nepotism involved in it or, you know, the clumsiness and, and the predictability of it all. And, frankly uh you know some some uh, unfortunate things that were said about English speaking versus spanish speaking et cetera, so you know from that standpoint i you know, I, I think people are going to have to see it a little bit more than some of these friendlies, so you know qualifying have to do it uh see what it looks like in the azteca you know see what it looks like when you have to go travel in concacaf so you know it, it's just it's 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 how he got there, and I don't know how you you know even still you can score seven nothing and and win seven nothing all you want but that's still going to be there until right. you run away from that, that shadow, for me.
0: Putting the manager aside, what's the mood right now? Like when you watch the U.S. men's national team? Because it is. It's a really important year. This is yeah. the next, next couple of I
1: feel like, I don't know, Nate. I mean, for me, it's sort of like that, the movie, um, what's the baseball movie? Uh, Major League? You guys ever see that movie? Remember yeah. when they're like, the whole movie is like, their are shit, they're shit, they're shit, you know? And then all of a sudden, one day, they got to go, hey, I don't know, maybe these guys are all right. You know, and now when you see a bunch of U.S. players playing in Europe and you're starting to see a little bit of depth, right? Like, if nothing else, you're going to have to fill in some of the, the you know, pieces uh, on a on a roster with some of the depth that you're seeing and the quality. And I don't know. I mean, I think the whole resentment, jealousy, chip on their shoulder thing is sort of silly. But, you yeah. know, maybe maybe it's motivation. You know, maybe it's not just, hey, you know, I can sit back here and I'm going to make this club anyway. It doesn't really matter where I play. Or I'm going to make the first, you know, the national team. You know, I, I, I think it's like, okay. You know, you got me. I'm interested. Like you know, I, I'm interested now. I want to see where this goes. I don't know. What about you, Nate?
2: That's in and of itself uh an astonishing victory to me yeah. to hear both of you, with how candid you have both been in private conversations and in public broadcasting and podcasting. The truth has not been been hidden on on this show and, and many others. But the 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 guard finally came down. People finally were feeling free to to criticize things that needed to be criticized. And then in the face of that, the Greg Bearhalter hire felt like such a slap in the face in so many ways to where everything, every adjective that you use, Darren, is still true. And how do we get past that? I don't know. We learned to sort of move forward with the positives because that doesn't ever go away the same way the stain of missing the 2018 world cup never goes away and there's no how do we move Well, for- you got to move forward to some extent but you also have to realize that certain things are just constants and it's just the way it is and so for me coach is always gonna have that kind of hovering around to a lot of people there's also a huge faction of people that don't give a rat's ass about any of that. And they just want good score lines and they want to see good soccer. And right now, there's some good soccer and there's some good score lines. And more important than any score line, there's these players we're talking about. There's these guys. What Weston McKenney has done, I covered him game in, game out, training sessions during the 2019 Gold Cup. And if you'd have told me, what was that, a year and a half, a little more than a year and a half ago, that he'd be where he is right now. I just said, hey, I really like the guy, but uh, maybe give it a four or five years. It's extraordinary what Weston McKenney's doing, where Dest is as these dialogues about dual nationals and how committed are they to the U.S. team and all that type of xenophobic discussion started coming up again and all that nonsense. And it was shades of the Bruce Arena era and the anti-Klinsman stuff all over again. One thing that Berhalter's done that's really impressed me is someone who thinks that not only are Darren and Jordan's critiques spot on, but pretty much everyone else's critiques about the things have have been spot on. What he has done to kind of, for lack of a better way to put it, bring it all together and just say that's just the way it is and y'all are going to think what you're going to think. And I'm just going to do this with dual national players with mls based players with guys in europe and not have this desire to have these borders set up and where do you stand in the progress of u.s soccer and do you feel over here it's like best players in the player pool baby some of them come from mls some of them a lot of them are coming from good european clubs we got up and comers coming through usl path to everything bro and path to the national team that way so he has done, he has impressed me, if, if anything that has been where I've been most impressed with Bearhalter is the progress and the feel around the team, the notion that me, you, and you Jordan, I mean, everyone on this show right now, we feel weirdly positive about the US men's national team. And I didn't think that was possible, like a year ago, less. So we'll see, tempered expectations, but credit to coach for for, I think, hearing a lot of those things i was i was really it was interesting covering him throughout that gold cup and and just the kind of monotonous press conferences and you know how that stuff goes but covering a whole international soccer tournament embedded with one team or, or one group it feels a lot like covering a baseball a month of baseball and it's just like non-stop non-stop a lot of repetition and he was actually a really interesting dude to listen to and he was fresh that was his first major tournament and so I was skeptical hearing a lot of it going, okay, good philosophy, good mental approach. Let's see what happens. Then they lose to Mexico in that Gold Cup final. Things are looking like they're dipping again. So to be where we are through everything we've been through as a society and through this pandemic and and with these players still progressing in, in their respective careers, I think he's done a great job being an ambassador for all those players, while also not neglecting anyone or picking sides, uh, against anyone, you know, Klinsman was this guy that put these people in this camp and arena was this camp and these camps don't like each other. And a, I see Greg is a guy who's like, calm down. We bring it together. So long may that continue.
1: Yeah. I'm with you though. I mean, at some point, you, you know, you, you're going to have to be Mexico. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's ultimately how you're going to be judged if you're going to be the manager of the U S men's national team, you know, that's what it is. You're not just going to take it out on Trinidad and Tobago and have a bunch of weirdos say that that's revenge for what happened during world cup qualifying. So, you know, that's, that's, the
2: that's those are the stakes. No, yeah. are, that already happened. Like we don't, yeah,
1: I mean, those are the stakes. Everybody knows what's on the line here. So, you know, Hey, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm find myself going, hmm, okay. All right. I, you know, you got me. I I'm, I'm interested now. Let's see
2: what mm-hmm. you can do here. You used the major league comparison, and now now while well, you were talking about the guys, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should come around. Don't forget the last clip was the groundskeepers at home plate going, they're still shitty. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. They might be still shitty.
0: Yeah, They might be. They might prove out to be – we don't even know if they're going to make the World Cup. Like, we can't even get ahead of ourselves with something like that. The next time we'll see them, the next international window is in March, and then the under-23s have Olympic qualifying coming up in March as well. That's going to be in uh, Guadalajara mexico so that's the next windows for international um that's all i got on u.s soccer can we talk about liverpool yet guys
2: oh what Mm. is it what is it with every time i swear to god every time i've been on this show it doesn't matter if i take a 11 month hiatus anytime i come on the show i swear to god it follows a liverpool loss and usually a one nil loss so
0: can we at least point out that the request comes in before the match? It's. it's I don't want people to think that, like, oh, my gosh, Liverpool loses. Here's an opportunity
1: for us to rub your nose some let's, sort of- let's, go li- let's go to South Park for live reaction, mate. Right.
2: Not, <laughs> not any – deeply depressing. Uh, not any kind of of trolling being done by the, the producer and host of this show. No, actually, far more uh, a bit of sorcery. Right. You know, a bit of – okay. he schedules the show – then he mentally manipulates the result and he goes, ha-ha, I got him. And then he clicks record. And- Here's how yeah. you know
0: that's not the case. I wish I had those kind of powers because I would totally use those powers for, for good for Chelsea.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Yes, I definitely <laughs> would have used them in the second leg uh, at Anfield when Barca was uh, 90 minutes away from going to uh, Champions League final. So if I had known that, y- you would have been invited on that week.
0: Yeah, mm. that would have worked out that way. I mean, I wouldn't have done this because... said
1: somebody
2: ended up on, with a broken collarbone that night. Yeah, that was actually... That was a hashtag scooter taken quickly. Uh, for <laughs> anyone who knows the depth and the layers of that joke, uh, <laughs> hit us all up on Twitter, please. Hashtag scooter taken quickly. I
0: don't know. Is that just like... Are we just moving forward after that reference to such a great story? <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm I guess what say. I was going to say, so we don't have to dive into that. I'm
2: tweeting the one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> There you
0: go. <laughs> um, I believe last week I said United are a bunch of frauds. Since then, they won 9-0 against Southampton. I said Liverpool are going to win the league. They mm. lost to the Seagulls today, so that, that's going great. And I don't even think I brought up Manchester City because I just really don't have a lot to say about Manchester City. Um, and they're probably going to win the fucking league, aren't they? So I was way off.
2: yeah um it's really funny that you phrase it that way too actually the notion that you didn't even bring them up that it almost seemed like they're an afterthought and normally someone being an afterthought is like a third place team up and coming oh no they don't have a note and you and you forget about them oh they're creeping up the standings they're essentially 10 points clear of liverpool if they win that game in hand i guess they got the scheduling slightly in a Uh, uh, a saving grace potentially for Liverpool but it's very very far-fetched it is with the math as it is right now it is so Manchester City's league to lose Mm. and furthermore it will be the most Mm. quintessential Manchester City title in that you forgot they were even in first place and they just cruised to it it kind (laughs) of felt like an afterthought it wasn't that interesting They've backed into titles before. I'm not saying they're backing into one this year. They have righted the shit. Pep has righted the shit. Pep is not a fraud. We've called Pep a fraud on this show. I've heard the word fraud. It might have been me who said it. There's been a lot of people who've used the word fraudulent when it comes to Pep Guardiola. The amount of people who talked about this was the year it was finally going to crumble at City. That ain't happening. And it just seems like the perfect year for City to win the league by like eight points. And just kind of have a mundane close to it. And if there's any team not struggling with a change from atmosphere in the stadium, it's about the same for <laughs> <laughs> like Liverpool are struggling with not having their fans backing them. Darren, you know about 4-0, the power of the cop. even Jose Mourinho and Sir Alex Ferguson would admit about the power of, of Anfield and, and what those fans are capable of as a true health man. City don't have that. City have never had that. So it makes perfect sense that in the season of much more important things, like getting through this global pandemic and as football doesn't feel like footballs, we don't have any supporters in the grounds and we must stay safe and continue to wear masks and look after each other and, and continue to be safe through this pandemic to get out of this thing so we can get fans back at football grounds. But meanwhile, in the season without fans, Man City would be the perfect team uh, to win the title because their stadiums. <laughs>
0: I, don't, I don't want people to think I'm like taking a shot at City this season and saying that they're just boring. They're, pro- they're probably not boring. I watched them earlier. They're, they're good. They're really good. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I just I'm not they're not that interesting to me. I just don't know what it is.
1: I um, uh, appreciate them not being interesting this season, given what some of the rumors are about how much more interesting they might be next season if they add a certain player who might be on his way out from Spain. So just – but to your point, as somebody who's senior, not as
0: – are we talking about?
1: Yeah, okay. As somebody who – yeah, as somebody who uh, is not as, uh, uh, you, know, in, in, you know, embedded into the league as you all are, I will say, though, it does feel like we spent more time talking about Everton winning this league than we did about City up until this point, doesn't it?
2: Talk <laughs> we're more time like, about United. Talk more time about Everton for the first month when Everton were the darlings of the league. Talk more about Tottenham when Jose had a hot run going. <laughs> and meanwhile, City are coasting. Clear at the top. He coasting. was, oh, shit, they're up there. All right, well.
0: There's no hiccups. They're still in Champions League. They play Tottenham in the Carabao Cup final. I hope they beat the piss out of Spurs in that one. I mean, they might win a treble. Like they, they're really good. I just, they're really boring. They're just so boring to me. So.
2: There's never been something that's that's the best way I could sum it up. Bouncing off of what you just said there, Jordan, there has never been something so beautiful that is so boring. Though it it is such an oxymoron of an existence as a as a as a football microcosm. Man City play. Some of the most gorgeous, aesthetically pleasing football, forget the ownership, forget everything that goes in, they play gorgeous, like romantic art on the pitch, and yet we're bored by them. It's obnoxious, isn't
0: it? it? Isn't it?
2: They're boring. They're so so boringly beautiful. I am sick of them. Kevin De Bruyne (laughs) is doing these artistic passes through defenses. I can't stand it. They're so beautiful.
0: I was trying to come up with a case on who was going to win the prem. I was taking down notes on like what the big matches, uh, what big matches we still have left. And there was a brief moment, like I'm telling you about five seconds where I was convinced Leicester were going to win the league this year.
2: We've, there you go. Yeah.
0: So, like, like, and then I realized their final three games of the season. Do you know what their schedule is to finish the year? Cause it's not bad. Like it wasn't looking all that bad before. I'm like, they're in good position now. The schedule's easy for a while. They could really – they could make a run. Let's say something happens with City. Nothing's going to happen with City. They're going to win it. We got it. Boring, boring City. Um, I thought Leicester could win it, and then their final three games are at United, at Chelsea, at Spurs, which it just seems like a really – they, can they win in all three? Probably, yeah. They three
2: six-pointers, baby. There you go. Nine they points also to lose. All three. That just, that's a lot. Three straight, three straight away?
1: I'm pre- I'm pretty sure I have that right. Wow. Maybe
0: there's maybe there's a match gap in there, but I know those are the three big ones to finish.
1: Oof! Well, those those uh, schedule maker's going to make sure that they don't end up with Leicester there winning that title again. Oh yeah, you know just in case they put it all together, let's make sure they go away, away, away to end.
2: Well, I yeah. do. I want to say also, uh, I was getting shades of the 2018-19 uh, title race. Apologies to all of my uh, fellow Liverpool fans. Uh, out there and and here, enjoy this one, uh, City fans. I, I was laughing about this because it's it's a dash different with the game in hand, but the fixture in 2018-19 when City were identically seven points behind uh, Liverpool. With a home match against Liverpool, had they lost, they would have gone 10 behind. City ended up winning that game. The John Stones clearance off the line, centimeters from Liverpool taking the lead. And um, the math, has lined up perfectly. Liverpool are now seven points clear. If they lose to City, they will go ten points uh, behind top spot. If they win, though, they will pull it to four. So I'm saying deja vu, Liverpool could win the league by a single point on the final day of the season. I don't know.
0: I love it. That's what I'm going with. That's what I meant to say last week when I said Liverpool were going to win the league. That was the logic I was going with. I just didn't know if I wanted to present it.
2: And they needed to lose to Brighton in order to make the math line up. That was the thing. So you needed the loss to Brighton to happen. A little bit of the Jordan Cruz sorcery played in there, and, and we make it happen. And you know someone has nothing but conviction when they end their passionate statement with the words, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know. So I do want to correct one thing I said. Leicester's final three matches are against those three clubs. They do get one of them at home, though. They are not all on the road. They go to Old Trafford, and then four days later, so Tuesday at Old Trafford, Saturday morning at the Bridge, and then they'll finish the season the following weekend uh, hosting Tottenham. So three really incredibly difficult. I mean, that could... Not many clubs are playing that kind of schedule to finish. So that just seems brutal. That seems unfair, actually. Um, City still in Champions League, still in that Care about Cup final. That's coming up, I think, in May. Um, obviously, City they play technically
2: four. in line, Jordan, for the quadruple. City progressing in the FA Cup recently. City technically still alive for the, oh. the never-before-done quadruple
0: city fi- city supporters for the past like 10 15 minutes on this podcast like it's a
2: quadruple you idiot
1: can
0: We <laughs> win four still not three i'm sorry please forgive me on that one you can win four with your boring boring soccer um they still play pool spurs arsenal and chelsea
1: the rest okay, of the year. okay. So there you go yeah by the way uh you know where to direct uh, any uh any uh hateful tweets at jordan caruth and uh, at know nate abareo yeah
2: not to spell my last name though you want to send me the eight suite you got to know how to speak basque so
1: because I, I will tell you though uh they will they have some pretty big rabbit ears these city supporters especially the ones here locally and if you say something about them man we've gotten all three of us have gotten dragged for things that we've said about city before yeah
0: you gotta be careful you have to be very, very careful when you talk about
2: beautiful soccer beautiful beautiful soccer love kdb Love me some love me some Raheem Sterling. Just full of love. Love. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. 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 I hope they lose this weekend. Come on, Liverpool. Take them down. Give us a you yeah.
2: Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is reverse psychology, whatever it is. I'm sure it's driving everybody crazy. I've not only angered the city fans like normal, I've now lost my Liverpool base too. So I just, I can't win. Thanks for bringing me back on the pod, Jordan. Appreciate it. Yeah,
0: congratulations. We're all going to be on an island together. That's okay. usually how the podcasts end. We're just on an island together. You, mean and Kepa. Yeah, that's, that's what we got. Um, I don't believe we have a Bundesliga report. And Tim Stoops, if you sent one and I missed it, my apologies. But I don't believe I saw one at in my inbox. So we will shout out Tim Stoops. Hello, Tim Stoops. And we look forward to hearing from him soon. Uh, we got to U.S. men's national team. I have... S- I have Liverpool still winning the league. I have Liverpool still winning. The
2: I'm Ron Burgundy.
0: I'm not ready to give up. I was about to say city. I'm not <laughs> ready to, to flip quite yet. Let me see what happens this weekend. Let me see what happens. That's, I think that's fair.
2: Let me see. I like that. I like that analysis. Let me see what happens in the title decider. And then I will give you my title pick.
1: I mean, title decider. Let's, let's be I mean, you guys still have, I mean, it's a three point gap. I, I know mean, match in hand and all that. I mean, it's not like La Liga here where it's 10 points at the midway point with a game in hand, and nobody's ever blown a 10-point lead ever at the midway point. So, you know, you guys
2: got plenty, a little plenty of twists. In there. Point. And with the injuries, again, we haven't discussed any of the Liverpool injuries because I don't want to get into any sort of excuse-making, but my God, to be without the players that they're without and to still be battling on the way that they are. Here's what it comes down to. Here's the brass tacks of the matter. If city win at Anfield on Sunday, they've won the title. Remember last year when Liverpool beat United, we're going to win the league. We're going to win the league. That city winning the league. If they win at Anfield on Sunday, they have won the 2020, 2021 premier league. If Liverpool win at Anfield on Sunday, Man City still have a 70% chance of winning the Premier League, but there will be just a little bit of a title race. And so I'm hoping for everybody's sake, not just the Liverpool fans out there, I'm hoping that the Reds can get it done and score at Anfield for the first time since Sadio Mane scored against West Brom uh, like a month and a half ago. So hopefully they can break that wall down and uh, get a win and give us all a little bit of suspense, as the but as of the
1: timing of this recording, like there's that phrase in Spain about "I Liga" or "No I Liga." We have a league, we don't have a league. Right? No I Liga and La Liga, but I Liga and the Premier League for sure,
2: for now. But to your point, Peering. we'll see. Peering on the no edge
0: there. Yeah. Okay, but, so after on. listening to Nate explain that, I'm now ready to say Manchester City. <laughs> <or> Manchester <laughs> I'm now ready to say it publicly. City are going to be your champions. I don't know what's going to happen this weekend, but Liverpool haven't scored at home since when? What did you say? That's awful. I didn't realize the
2: that. Liverpool against West Brom. They have not scored at home since that game. They ended up drawing 1-1. That kind of set the little uh, mini hex that they had on them. Uh, that was the game against West Brom, which followed the 7-0 win against Crystal Palace. So it's been such a bizarre... Look at the Manchester United scorelines following a 2-1 loss at home. I know Southampton had the players sent off in the second minute. But to go in back-to-back home matches, losing 2-1 to the team who's won one other game all year, dead last, sure to go down, and Man United at home at Old Trafford with a chance to potentially jump to the top of the table, lose at home to Sheffield United. They follow that up against a very respectable Southampton team, their next home uh, opponent, and they beat them 9-0. So that, to me, sums up a lot of the uh, Premier League this season.
0: Paper Dragons United. (laughs) I don't believe them. I don't believe in them at all. They could beat Southampton down a man 9-0 all they want. Beat a real club. I'm still waiting for that death in this season.
2: No disrespect out there, Saints fans. We love you. Hi, right, Saints
0: fans. My apologies. <laughs> and no league in Spain. That's what we're trying to avoid this weekend. A Manchester City win kind of turns it into La Liga. That's what we're trying to avoid.
1: Mm. Ten points. Ten yeah. clear. Atletico. Mm. No It's bueno. Amazing. That's why I sit around and stress out all day about Copa del Rey matches because that's pretty much Lionel Messi's last great opportunity to win a trophy for Barcelona.
2: Barca passed Granada by the skin of their teeth today, a sensational match that I thought you were supposed to be previewing the Super Bowl and... fantasy baseball experts there's this thing that happens from 12 to 3 during weekdays but somehow from 1 30 to two thirty, my phone's buzzing text from d smith text yeah. from d smith about yeah. some soccer game in spain so uh we know we know what really happens during during these midday did you have a
1: fantasy baseball guest did i miss something i don't know <laughs> no no I, I, we had a baseball guest but i mean jordan you've been there you've witnessed what happens I, Jordan it would it be great like, when was, Jordan would be watching Chelsea on one television I'd be watching Barca on a different television and like we have a radio show going on here and like who's running the show we're not, not paying attention
2: both of you both of you did you ever in, in all the years uh, when those situations would arise and, and especially as they, they became more and more common as the soccer fandom really you know started like burning more and more uh, within both of your souls did it ever happen where you legitimately forgot who the guest was or you maybe forgot that there was even a guest at all yeah,
1: yeah, and I'll tell you exactly which match it was because uh, you'll both remember it. It was the second-leg Champions League against PSG when Barca had that ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. run and, and, you know, just Sergio Roberto ended up scoring the winner, the tie-winning goal and stoppage time, and that was one of the most unforgettable shows. And I'm tweeting, live-tweeting what's happening during the match while I'm talking college football on the radio at the same time. And I remember just tweeting out like something, you know, something idiotic, like, Holy fucking shit. And people like, what, what, what's going on on your radio show right now? <laughs> so like, we had the show that was going out on the speaker. And then we had the show that was going on behind the scenes.
2: Yeah. A real show.
1: That show. was a real show. Yeah.
0: There, were, there were stretches where uh, we would just turn off microphones. All but one microphone would be turned off. And Marty would yeah. would carry it for – give us some NFL news for five, ten minutes. At least yeah. something for stoppage time, you know. Go on,
2: Caswell. Go on. Uh, yeah. I
1: like the two when Chelsea and Barca would play. We would just record it and you'd see Jordan be like yeah. – And then me on the inside.
0: Like, yeah. She just, knew too. She would ask in meetings. Nate, it got so bad. She would ask in meetings if uh, Chelsea or Barca were playing that day. Because she yeah. just had to be prepared. She knew. Be. Because she
2: knew that that would be the day where she had to like slot in at center forward, and where she had to come in. She she really was, and still is, very much the the, the James Milner, you know, of of sports radio, and the ability to just I'll play anywhere, do anything, and and I'll cover for slackers watching soccer games on the side, whatever yeah. I need to. Do. Much. I mean, better. that's
1: sort of like the, it's the better secret better. It's, like that's why I have that job. It just allows me to sit there and, and watch soccer in the middle of the afternoon that's yeah. you know and get paid for it
2: well played yeah. well played yeah. Yeah. yes i saw a scarf wall back there by the way darren smith um especially juxtaposition to the the uh are we calling it the panic room is it the is it a little like interstellar the, the called Dortmund are- west
0: is what it's called
2: okay well i like there we go adding a little a little football spirit
0: yeah who My, uh, who is it huh i need to like I- go outside or something
2: Got all set up here uh, in front of the kit collection for y'all. I like Darren's scarf wall. And uh, Jordan, I-, I look forward to seeing what you come up with next time.
0: We have, uh, we have scarves. As long as I have the one scarf. Nope, found another. Florence, Fiorentina. Fiorentina. I like that. Uh,
2: back oh, Remember, back there you
0: go. and maybe my favorite scarf, this one.
2: Aww.
1: Oh.
2: Oh. Uh, oh. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Now you two are just, I'm, I'm, look at you two.
1: Yeah. The, uh the Pena group text, uh, the WhatsApp group text is, it was quite, uh quite, quite emotional today watching Copa Del Rey quarterfinals. So good group. Shout out to those guys. Can't wait to, to see them again. Uh All right. What else we got? What else you got? Jordan, you look beautiful sure. now. Thank Absolutely. you. I
0: was waiting for someone to compliment me.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you. As beautiful as a Kevin De Bruyne assist to Raheem Sterling to win City of the League by 13 points. There you go. Oh, sorry. You, you bring me on after a bloody depressing Liverpool performance, just absolutely excruciating. You expect me to be all full of bubbling positivity and you just bring me on to sing songs and, <laughs> and just make you laugh and make you smile. What am I really supposed to bring today other than honesty and just being truthful about the matter? Come on.
0: Nate, you guys play Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, Sunday. What are you doing Sunday afternoon? You want to join the podcast? <laughs>
2: <laughs> only, only if Liverpool lose one nil, I will be, I will be right there on speed <laughs> dial, ready to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope I they can try to score a goal at Anfield.
1: Yeah, Nate, pull out a, uh, pull out a shirt. Just pull out yeah. a uh, Look at that collection behind it. A random. For those that are just Nate, listening Nate, here, that Nate, are, look, are not look, watching, look at us.
0: This is what you're going to do. You're just going to reach back and you're going to grab three random jerseys, and okay. then you bring them forward, and you're going to tell us about those jerseys. Okay. No. You don't have to close your eyes. That's an extra rule. That okay. You right. Don't need to do it. Start
2: with okay. the first one. Oh, look at this! How about mm. that? This is a gift from the Peña of San Francisco, the supporters of Athletic Club of Bilbao. This was a a beautiful gift from some fellow Basques up in the great city by the bay, San Francisco. Shout out. One of my favorite things about this thing is that, I don't know if you can see it, that Basque flag detail right there on the back. That thing is beautiful. Okay, there's, there's kit one. All right, here we yeah, go. Yeah,
1: that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the Spanish uh, Supercopa champs from 2020-21. Oh, uh,
2: they, uh, they took down a certain Barcelona in the finals. Yes,
1: they did. Oh, they might do it again in the Copa del Rey. We'll see the way the draw comes.
2: I know you said not to close my eyes, but it's almost more fun to close my eyes.
1: Yeah, do whatever you got to do.
2: This is fun. Here we go. It's a little Venezuelan national team talk right here. El vino tinto. Darren, you are such a, a wine connoisseur, and you and your lovely wife and the, the wine life that uh, y'all lead. The vino tinto, and the, the, the color, the, the burgundy of, of Venezuela, one of my favorite color schemes in all of international football. I love when they wear this color uh, out there. They wear a variety of uniforms over the years but it always comes back to this and one of my favorite stories I remember I texted you the day that it happened It was about a month ago I was wearing this kit wearing a mask walking over to the store to get something here in the neighborhood and from out of nowhere this guy parks his car he's across the street and he's almost looks like he's like mean mugging me and I get kind of sketched out for a second I look over I definitely notice him and he's like you know kind of looking at me from across the street and he pulls down his mask and he goes pinto. and I went "What?" he goes it is Venezuelan. like are you venezuelan and I go oh no just uh love your national team and he went oh and it just we're yelling at each other from across the street <laughs> one of those like during a pandemic during all the hard times we've been through to just have two human beings connecting because the dude on a walk to go get a bottle of wine you know or whatever happened to be wearing the jersey of his national team and now we're both in san diego it was just like one of those pole of the universe romanticismo de football moments. A shout out to uh, the, the Venezuelan community of San Diego. There we go. Um, last.
1: Okay, so we've had uh, Athletic Club yes. from Basque Country. We've had uh, Venezuelan. And yes. now let's see what Nate Abarea pulls out third. What does this feel I like a- know, that's, a, that's quite a collection. What would you guess that is there? About
2: 30? Uh, uh, 58 as a matter of Okay. Yes. Soon, soon to be a little more and very little, one of the proudest things I will say about this collection, very little money spent on any of these. These have been souvenirs brought back to me from places around the world. These have been things I got from flea markets in my hometown of Watsonville and jerseys from my time working down in Tijuana with Cholos and all sorts of stuff. So that's one of my favorite things is how inexpensive it's been to put together uh, such a nice little collection back here. So here we go. The third um, kit oh my you know what i'm sorry i know i i know i peaked but speaking of that and with i have not been on since the passing of el dios this is something that my buddy eriberto down in tijuana a fabulous uh, bilingual journalist uh, down in tijuana he went on a bit of a football safari down to buenos aires and went to this was right before the pandemic so he got to go see river plate got to go see boca juniors saw a bunch of other argentine football and i said bro, bring me back anything that you can, Boca, Maradona, street jersey, anything. And Heriberto not only came through, but he came through with the 1981 Boca Juniors Diego Maradona replica top. And Damn. And that is one of my favorite things ever because we talk about objects and, and what it means and, you know, the, the meaning of life and materialism and whatnot. Well, Not to get carried away, but when something, when you know something's story, I know it's just a little piece, it's a shirt, you know, but this thing was actually on the streets of Buenos Aires at a street stand. It got put into a plastic bag. It got put on a plane. It had a layover in Brazil. It got back to Mexico City, and then it flew to Tijuana. Then it got handed off to me at Estadio Caliente, and then it got Walked back across the border, and now it's right here in the kit collection. And I wore this thing for quite a few days after uh, Maradona passed back a few months ago. And I will wear this thing a lot more in the near future. That was a lot of fun, by the way. Thank you.
1: Damn, That was good. That was good stuff. I hope people had a chance to watch that. I hopefully... I think it'll come across loud and clear on the on the podcast, <laughs> just the audio version. <laughs> I neglected
2: but. I neglected to remember there that there is a, a still a significant portion of people who won't have uh, the visual there. So hopefully, all my time as a radio broadcaster and describing the the blue and gold of this boca kit and the the color of the Venezuelan top and the the Basque feel of of the the athletic club top, and the green, red, and white of the Basque flag. I hope those details, those sensory details came across uh, to the podcast audio-only audience.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I think your point, too, you know, for those that are watching, because, you know, I put up a bunch of scarves here, you know, that this is, like, the Tijuana one was from Tijuana. The Dortmund one comes from Germany. You know, the, the Sociedad Real Sociedad, that comes from Basque country. Like, I, I love that, like, You know, the Barca, there's a Barca one here somewhere that, you know, that came like it was purchased, like it's from, it travels from Spain. You know, if you get those opportunities just to keep those things and like it reminds you of actually being there, you know, just like those shirts and scarves and Jordan, same thing in your situation. So I do love that
2: about it. Oh, what do we have? Chelsea on tour. Do you
0: know where I got this? Think, take a guess. The bridge. I, tra- the,
1: I know I know where you got it. You got it um, at the FA Cup uh, semi-final match that you went to at Wembley Stadium.
0: Darren, since you're talking about traveling to get such great things, I traveled all the way to the Rose Bowl. Oh. oh
2: <laughs> and they beat Liverpool 1-0. They beat Liverpool. And they beat Liverpool. I remember that. I was there too. That, My God.
0: Yes, I watched two Chelsea supporters get married in the parking lot. Oh, wow. Before the match, before Chelsea went in and beat the piss out of Liverpool. I traveled all the way to Los Angeles for this beauty.
2: All the way to the Rose Bowl. It's, it's very, very strange and sad that I remember that it was Gary Cahill uh, on a header off the corner kick in front of the Chelsea supporters end, scored to make it 1-0 early on in the game, and just one of the absolute most dire Awful preseason four matches that I've ever seen in my life, and we waited for Liverpool to equalize the whole time. But Jordan Carruth and the Chelsea fans uh, got all the glory in that oh so important preseason friendly uh, at the Rose Bowl in 2016. Ses Fabregas almost broke someone's leg, uh, if I recall. Ses Fabregas was sent off uh, in that match. So, in it, you remember the marriage. I remember Sesk with the filthy studs over tackle.
0: Well, I remember the bus on the way to the Rose Bowl because I went with San Diego Blues and it was just, it was a party all the way up. And then we got there really, really early. I do remember that. Like we had plenty of time to prepare ourselves for that match, which we did. There was a wedding, there was red cups, there were fans everywhere, there was drinks, there was Chelsea winning, and there were flags to be had. It was beautiful.
2: It shows, I I love, that of all the beautiful things you've actually done following Chelsea and you've been to legitimate, like, FA Cup triumphs and you've been to the bridge. No, the the one that you bring up is when we beat Liverpool at the Rose Bowl in a friendly in July in 2016. That was my shit. I love that one. I I got a flag. I got a flag from
0: it. For our our special guest tonight. I (laughs) I hope you appreciate
2: it. Thank you. And I also love, too, that what we're talking about The concept of, um, you know, these these artifacts and these things and how they connect to these places and these cultures and and these kits and these scarves and these flags and whatnot. Well, I I take it a step further because... You know, I've been very lucky to work in Mexico and and to make so many friends who travel to other parts of Latin America. I've never been to Argentina. I've never been to Brazil. I've never been to Venezuela. But anytime that I know someone who's going to any of those places, you bet your ass I'm sending them 20, 25 bucks. And I say, bring me something back. So I'm milking it for all it's worth. Anybody out there traveling. I don't got to travel. You know, you just bring something back for me. I'll get there when I get there. But thanks for everybody out there, including both of the men on this show who have been nice enough to bring me back little artifacts from around uh, the world of football. And everybody else out there listening, keep it coming. I love it. We got enough space. Yeah. Don't tell, don't, don't tell Sophia about that, but keep it, keep it coming, please.
1: Yeah, I remember that too. I remember Nate, I was in San Sebastian and he says, you gotta just get me. Those are my people. You got anything. I don't okay. care what it is. Just bring me back anything in, from anything. Bass country. Nope. Okay. Go. Okay. Yep. Got a flag. Uh, do we have a, a minute before we wrap on uh, SD Loyal's new keeper? Uh, I don't have a ton of info on him other than I've seen Trey Muse welcomed to the club by none other than the person he's replacing and John Kempen which I thought was a nice touch on social media but uh, I look forward to learning more about SD Loyal's new presumptive starting keeper for season number two here in a couple of months.
0: Uh, I'm with you I'm excited I don't know a lot about him I really don't I see I've seen the highlights that Loyal posted I've done a few YouTube searches like I've done some research but I can't I'm not going to come on and say I know a lot about them. I will say I think it's always probably good news when an MLS keeper is going to come down and uh, play for you at the USL level. Usually that's a really good indicator. One thing um, that definitely crosses your mind is Seattle, they have a USL affiliate. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. Right. So what's, what's going on there?
2: Well, I think when you factor in, it's funny, you touched on the, the two things that I was going to bring up there, which is the notion of his just flat out quality and the fact that Tacoma exists as an affiliate in the system for the Sounders. And what it leads you to is just a plain and simple statement that the Loyals seem pretty fortunate to have this guy. And I think everyone has not shied away from expressing that, going, hey, whatever, maybe we lucked out a little bit, but we got a hell of a keeper. Like, well, let's roll with this dude. You know what I, I mean? I don't know if this is a
0: weird question to ask, but is he too good for Tacoma? Is that why they're not sending him to Tacoma?
2: We'll go with that. You should go with that, Jordan. Oh, that's
1: too what good now, re- rephrase that question in a statement, and you can definitely sell it. You know what oh, I think it he is? is? He's, he's too good for Tacoma. He's too good for t- – that's what it is, right?
0: Like, they did not want to set him down in Tacoma. They wanted to set him – like, if he's going to be playing in USL, like, let's get him some real experience here. No? Am I off?
1: You guys are looking at me. I mean It works oh, for me. I, I don't have the answers on that, but I, I'm willing to ride with it.
2: I'm riding with it. I'll get the hashtag flowing here as soon as we're off the show. Hashtag too good for Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be the title of this episode. Hashtag too good for Tacoma. The loyal Trey- friends love it. Everyone will love it. <laughs> All the Pacific Northwest will have a good sense of humor. Too good for Tacoma. Ride with it, Jordan. You created it. Roll with it, baby. <laughs>
1: I do like to see players relocating and emptying their moving trucks here in San Diego. Like, Jack Blake, I'm, you know, getting closer.
0: closer. We are are getting closer. And I'm not going to take credit for it. It's a conversation I had earlier with um, Jerry Jimenez, who we know from the supporters group um, with the locals. Supporters group for San Diego Loyal, but with the locals. I saw him earlier today, and I'll go ahead and proudly plug this on the podcast. If anyone needs plumbing work, I needed plumbing work at my house. I called Jerry, and uh, he crushed everything on our huge list today. There was some stuff. We bought a home like three years ago. So there was a few things that needed to get done and we've kind of been ignoring it. Nothing emergency wise, like nothing like, there was no water spraying for my front yard. So I thought like, all right, we got some time. We're good here. Um, but today, actually earlier today, he came out and he knocked everything out and it looks really, really good. And something that I really appreciate is he's really good with cleaning up, which if you have worker, like if you have people helping you out, which I need help all the time cause I can't do a lot of things. Um, Sometimes there's a huge mess left over, and that was not the case. Not only did he crush it, there was no mess. Shout out to Jerry. If you need help, I say you hit him up. How about that?
2: I think that should be the promo. That should be one of the promo videos for the podcast right there. I like support your local independent contractor, your local plumber folks who are looking for work right now in some tough times and who are just brilliant, brilliant professionals at their trade. And I love that in all seriousness, it ties back to, to the soccer community and it ties back to folks looking out for each other and folks trying to trying to help out and scratch your back, scratch mine. You're in a time of need. You're in a time of need. We got this. You got that. Let's make it happen. So Jerry has been very adamant about telling everybody, hey, if any of y'all need plumbing work, I am the guy to call. So I love the roaring endorsement uh, from Caruth right there, from one of the best soccer fans and soccer podcasters and and passionate supporters of this show and loyal and and Football Sin Fronteras and up to L.A. and back. Shout out, Jerry Jimenez. I love it.
1: Yeah, hashtag uh, support Jerry. And by the way, that's something that you need an expert. Because you get a couple of clowns like the three of us messing around with stuff. Bad news. You need, like, real expertise if you're going to go messing around with that stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I go fucking around with that stuff. But forget it. I'll go live someplace else.
0: Yeah, not happening. So, shout out to Jerry. He did a great job. And he gets credit for the too good for Tacoma idea. That was like a Because I was the
2: same question.
0: I'm like, I don't get it. He has – there's an affiliate there. Like, why doesn't – i'm just trying to understand how this works and you know that question crossed my mind and then the conversation quickly led to like maybe he's just too good because tacoma is trash guys like that team is not good they lose like they're southampton against united is what they are so maybe now
2: you're now you're going somewhere you're not putting dot 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 question marks at the end of these sentences like end them end them strong with statements i like that last one there jordan Fire
1: I I think that Tacoma the last two seasons has been statistically, like, one of the worst clubs in USL history.
0: They're awful.
1: Outside of that club that was in the Bahamas that lost, like, every single match by 15 goals, like, they've been amongst the worst there. So maybe they just don't want to expose them to that kind of culture.
2: Yeah,
0: maybe you would just, like, ruin your confidence, especially as a keeper, and you're losing 9 nothing every night. I mean, talk about just... Yeah, you can't have it.
2: Jordan Carruth building his Pacific Northwest fan base here on this episode of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Shout out to the good people of Tacoma. I love all your pretty bridges and rivers and all of the good things that you have to offer. Uh, Direct all of your uh, Tacoma-based inquiries to at Jordan Carruth on Twitter. Uh, He is hashtag too good for Tacoma. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> not too good for uh, monterey excited for the monterey trips oakland trips you
2: brought kinda. this up man i'm really glad you brought this up uh, i gotta go though
0: guys i'm sorry i i just like threw out a big story that we should talk about. i gotta go there's a lot lot of shout out and
2: give me give me 10 seconds to shout out my hometown my home area there much love to monterey bay fc coming to usl in 2022 finally giving the central coast of california a professional sports team to call our own my hometown of watsonville neighboring town of salinas monterey seaside that whole area right with soccer talent who have never been given really a, a full chance to succeed and have something to strive for and so i love i love the presence of that team and i hope it is a roaring success and i can't wait for uh mbfc versus loyal 2022 let's go baby
1: monterey bay
2: we're gonna monterey go on the bay.
1: Trip, right? yeah I- that that immediately becomes like the away trip to make for me you know you can keep phoenix i know vegas whatever but like monterey oakland those are those are the away trips for loyal now
0: no doubt in sacramento i'll wear yeah. sacramento in there is that okay Yep.
2: it's the it oh, is the Warren Smith uh, derby. So I, I do respect the Sacramento away trip.
0: Yeah, I think that layers, layers. Most of the trips in the state,
1: most of yeah. them, not all of
0: them. Orange County, you can, you
1: can keep them. Well, well Nate, there. good to see you, man. We'll do this again in what, 11 months, 12 months? Yeah, now, We'll do it Sunday uh, afternoon.
2: Oh, yeah. After Liverpool lose 1 0 or 2 1 uh, to City. Uh, no, regardless, I, I look forward to doing this again uh, in, in the very, very near future. Thank you. For, for having me back and, and letting me go on and on about my thoughts uh, on on the happenings of, of our little uh, soccer universe here uh, look forward to hearing from everyone look forward to getting this podcast out there and uh, let's keep it up let's bring it all back what do we say global community we bring it all together and let's keep looking out for each other and uh, keep having each other's backs as we move forward get out of this hellscape that we've been in but thank God for the beautiful game and thank goodness for y'all cheers
1: Cheers. Much love.